Hey everybody, today your auto talks for episode 78 of the podcast and welcome back. Hi there, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, the holiday season is upon us and that has big ramifications for the Rotto Talks Your Podcast because my co-host and wife and best friend in the world is not here today. Jen cannot make the time this month. I'm so sorry, folks, and she is very sorry too, but this is literally the busiest time of year for her. Obviously, tons of holiday Christmas orders are coming in for all her glasswork, plus Jen and I will be at the Board Game Geek Convention in Dallas what is it, a week from now, maybe two weeks from now, in the middle of November, and she generally has a lot of sales there too. Plus, we'll be at the Dice Tower West convention in early 2022, and so after all of the sales she's doing for all of her holiday stuff, plus the uh, conventions, she's going to have to spend a lot of time rebuilding her inventory. So she, um, you know, we talked, we had scheduled today for recording, and Jen said, I just can't do it, and I said, okay, next tomorrow i can't next week i can't so the plan is currently jen will be back next month uh for the podcast in the beginning of december and don't worry if you sent in questions you're hoping to hear from her i've set all of the game and personal questions that jen would hit aside and so this is probably going to be a slightly shorter podcast than usual but it means probably next month's will be even longer because as always folks you need to send questions to questions at rotto.com so that we have something to talk about. Uh, maybe uh, you don't have to do quite as many personal questions to questions at rotto.com over the next few weeks because we're going to have a huge backlog of them already. But what the heck, maybe next uh, month we'll just be mostly focusing on personal and not the game stuff. We will see. It's up to you. You folks are in the driver's seat uh, after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. And by the way, when I said after this, I meant after this brief commercial interruption, I'll be answering your questions. That's why you'll be in the driver's seat. And actually, before I go to the questions, um, uh, speaking of commercial interruptions, if you listen to the podcast instead of watch it on YouTube, I'm curious. Have you noticed some occasional ads popping up that are not voiced by me? Up until now, the only ads that have been on the podcast are ones that I recorded myself, mostly talking about how great I think Anchor.fm is as a platform, and I do think it's great. I am not making it up at all when I say uh, in those occasional ads where I talk about how wonderful it is. But uh, Anchor.fm recently allowed me to turn on a other advertisers can advertise as well. I have no idea if it's happened at all. I haven't gotten any feedback. So folks, uh, before I get to the questions, my request to you is if you listen to the podcast and you do hear ads that, um, were not voiced by me, could you let me know? I have no idea what they are. It's very much a black box and I would like to know a little bit more about it. So anyway, you can send that information to questions at rado.com too. Uh, but that uh, is enough of all that show business. Let's talk about game business. Starting with a question from Andrus, who wonders, is the World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King um, 
pandemic system game, qualified to be in my top 10 games of 2021. Andrews points out, I don't think it has a chance as October's number nine game, or is it a pandemic expansion? I guess you're right. Oh, first of all, uh, yeah, I mean, we liked it, but certainly not enough to make it into the top 10 of the year. But I don't think it would qualify either because, again, it falls under that blanket of, um, I want my top 10 games of the year to be really new stuff. I, I, I try to stay away from, you know, uh, repackaging of existing things or tweaks or offshoots. And so, which is why I, in past years, the other pandemic spinoffs haven't made it into my top 10, even though pandemic is my number one ranked game of all time, because, well, Hey, then by association, anything that's pandemic should just be my number one instantly. And that's not interesting, which is why I classify those offshoots and um, you know reprints and whatnot separately, and I don't put them in the top ten. So no, I don't think Wrath of the Lich King will make it there. But thanks for asking. Okay, Ben wonders. On the R&R show, Ruel and I both seem pretty excited about the upcoming Mythwind, but it seemed like a lot of gameplay uh, details had yet to be revealed when we talked about it originally. Now the campaign is launched. Are we excited about the game? Any other thoughts on it? I am sorry to say, after, after we mentioned it in that video, I stopped paying attention. I moved on because... Um, Really, at the end of the day, the kicks, the games that are on Kickstarter that I have to pay attention to are the ones that I've been paid to do previews for. And so all my attention and focus goes into that. And uh, if you may or may not have noticed, there have been a lot of games that I've had to cover over the last few months. So, yeah, I never really circled back around and saw what was going to happen with Mythwin. Interestingly, the Mythwin folks did contact us after we did that R&R episode to find out if we would like to cover the game. And I definitely would, but then I don't know what happened. Uh, my channel manager never heard back from them so i mean it's not like they needed me to cover it it was obviously a hugely successful game i certainly hope to play it someday down the road when uh you know it, it goes to retail if it's going to retail is it a kickstarter exclusive i don't really know but yeah the reality is i mean just in general i don't really have my finger on the pulse of what's going on in board game kickstarter world uh Doing the uh, this monthly R and R show where Ruel sit and I sit down and try to come up with between the two of us ten upcoming games that haven't launched yet that we're really excited about has forced me to spend time on it and oh my gosh, there's literally at any given time around 500 upcoming yet to be launched board games on Kickstarter. You can tell that because there's a discovery tab. And so now I'm really kind of regretting having introduced this segment to the show because it takes me hours, hours to go through that list of 500 games to try and find the five that jump out at me the most that weren't games that I was already going to be covering anyway. So yeah, it's, oh, it is, it is a challenge. Definitely. Um, and you know, you know, in that circumstance, I just don't have time. Okay, once I'm done talking about it, i got to move on to the next thing. This entire show, everything about it, makes me like a board game shark, constantly swimming forward, because if I don't, I'll drown under the backlog of games that I've got to cover. So, yeah, I'm sorry to say, Ben, I can't say more about Mythwind at this point. Alrighty, Bran was wondering if I've had the chance to play Carnegie from designer Javier Yorge. Uh, Bran points out that Shay covered it when it was on Kickstarter on, on the channel. And Shay's run-through gave a good impression of the mechanism, the overall feel of the game. 
As a side note, I will agree with that. I thought Shay did a great job on that, and he was really excited to cover it. Originally, I was going to cover it, but it, it was going to launch in November of 2020, and I did not have the bandwidth to cover it at that point. And so uh, we said, hey, would you like Shay to cover it instead? Because Shay had more free time available to him. And so they did, and then they sent it to him. He played it. He really enjoyed it. And then they delayed the campaign. They delayed it to like, what was it, February or something like that? And in February, I would have had all the time in the world. But by then, he'd already filmed it. So that was just a little behind the scenes kind of, oh, bother. I really did want to cover it. But anyway, uh, continuing with Bran. All right. Given the designer um, and the very interesting action selection mechanisms, it seems like a game that Jen and I would enjoy, uh, says Bran. Bran is... Uh, keen on trying himself, he's a big fan of uh, Monsieur, Monsieur Georges, and perhaps a bit chauvinistic since he's a fellow countryman. Oh, so what was the question? Oh, if I had a chance to play it. No, I hadn't. It looks really great to me. I'm really excited to give it a go. I have to admit, I'm a little hesitant about the subject matter, and I was kind of a bit bummed when I ultimately saw in the rulebook. I hope they do a little bit more for the final rulebook. The prototype rulebook I saw, they just had a mention, like a sentence in the back of the rulebook. Well, Carnegie was certainly a controversial man in his time and in years afterwards, but we're just making a game here. And that was kind of a bummer, because, I mean, certainly, I mean, the game really focuses on what um you know I'm I, what I'm sure uh, you know the major part of his legacy is uh you know one of the most philanthropic uh, human beings in the history of the species uh you know he gave away so much of his wealth and basically um you know is a I, I have to admit I don't know much about Carnegie I've always known that yeah I mean he he, he was very very uh, free with his wealth he, you know, he I can't he was a I can't take it with me kind of guy and uh, that it was a crime for uh, you know all that wealth just to stay hoard together and he tried to get back but I guess in his early days he made that wealth. Um, under some questionable practices, union busting and stuff like that. Although, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think a lot of it has to do with his partners, and he wasn't really involved hand-on, and ultimately he had a falling out, and the people who were really behind all the union busting ultimately left, and they never spoke again. I know, I mean, someday I should just sit down and read a few books on the subject, because I'm sure it goes deep. And I imagine the game doesn't. The game just really focuses on the one thing. So I'm a little bummed by that. But... Hopefully, the rulebook will, um, you know, for the final game, which focuses on one half of Carnegie the Man, and it's understandable, you mean, can't encapsulate everything about him, but hopefully the rulebook spends a little bit of time and digs into the other side of the story as well. Fingers crossed. I am excited to give it a go, because, yeah, Shay's run-through was fantastic. I think it was the first time he'd done a really Euro-Euro-style game on the channel, and, yeah, he knocked it out of the park. All right. Thank you, Bran. Moving on to Brendan. Uh, Brendan was surprised to hear that I included London Dread in my discussion of upcoming scary games. Horror games, October, uh, Halloween-style games. Yes, that was an episode of the R&R show. While Bran enjoyed the game quite a bit, the last phase of the game where you roll to beat the villain ruined it for Bran and uh, his fellow players. Bran is wondering, why wasn't it a problem for us? We usually dislike Roll to Resolve. That is true, uh, Brendan. Sorry, not Bran. Bran was the previous question. Brendan. Sorry, Bren, not Bran. Uh, that's a fair point. I think, now, uh, you kind of have me a disadvantage. I would have to, I mean, I, I, you know, we played all the way through, I think what it came with five, five or six missions, and then we moved back to America, and I got rid of the game. Even though it does have, I'm wrong, it had plenty of replay value. I was just, I was looking for games. I did not want to have to carry back 600-some games, so I was trying to get rid of hundreds of them before I left Malta, and we figured out, well, hey, we finished the storyline here. Okay, this seems like one to get rid of. But, yeah, I mean, I, I 
I, or heck, I should say. Sorry. Oh, I just cursed a little bit. I try not to. Anyway, apologies. I would love to play the game again right now. Um, so anyway, I, I, I preface all that to say I'm kind of at a bit of a loss. I, I do remember the way it ends. I mean, it's a very, very clever action programming cooperative game. And, and you do lots of stuff. You go through lots of really interesting narrative adventures. But you're right. It does all come down to like a final boss fight. Where, based on the decisions you've made, you have to make some more decisions, building up and trying to collect... You're trying to collect one resource. Dice. Dice, dice, dice. Dice, 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 dice. All of the dice. And then, the final thing. You roll all the dice. You count up the number of successes you got. And I think each die was basically a coin. 50% successes, 50% blanks. Or maybe it was one out of three. I think it was maybe two successes and four blanks on each die. And so, the end of the game is just trying to do everything you can. Make every choice. Spend every resource you've earned. Use every trick, every special power. Just to get all these dice. And at the end, you would have... I forget, what was it, like 10, 12, 15 dice? And you'd roll and then count to see if you succeeded or not. I totally understand why that's anticlimactic to you. I think, if I recall correctly, it worked pretty well for me. Because of the interesting thing, there was nothing fancy about these dice at all. They were all either 50-50 or 30% chance of success. So really, Jen and I looked at it at the end of the game. The die roll was kind of immaterial. For us, the question was... Should we, could we accumulate enough dice in those final um, actions to be able to have a big enough hand that, statistically speaking, we should be able to get the six successes we need? Uh, I, I, again, uh, if you needed six successes and there was only a 30% chance, then that means we need 18 dice. Can we get 18 dice together? If we could, we considered it, we won. Um, and who cares if we then roll the dice and, oh, it, you know, that was an uncommonly unlucky roll. We didn't succeed. Or that was a crazy roll. We shouldn't have succeeded. Yeah, we did. That was kind of immaterial. We looked at that last thing of, again, I thought of those dice just as rewards. And it was either every two dice was a success or every three dice was a success. And then rolling was secondary. We still did it. Because it is fun to roll dice, but we truly considered whether we had won the game or how well we had won based on did we get enough dice to where we had a statistically strong chance of rolling. And then we rolled. So, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of cheating. Maybe that's kind of flubbing. The thing is, the game was so fantastic, I was basically just willing to forgive it. Um, because, you know, even if we rolled and got, we have enough dice and that didn't work out in our favor, we would still consider it a win if we had enough dice that it should have gone our way. So, if that makes sense. It was almost like we were just collecting cubes and we just need three cubes for a success. Maybe you would have enjoyed it more if the rules had just suggested that as an alternative. Because uh, it worked. I can confirm that. Anyway, oh, oh, and then um, Brendan reminds us of how the end works. Okay, oh, you actually, yes, the dice have a, a one in three success rate. So it's a numbers game. Right, and so, okay, there you go. That, I should have read the rest of your email before I kept guessing. Yeah, get three dice. That is considered a success. Get enough successes, you win. Don't even bother rolling if you don't like it. Um, and you probably would have enjoyed the game more. Anyway, follow-up question. Other than Space Hulk, Death Angel, and London Red, what other rolled resolve games do you think are good enough to play despite that mechanism? That is an excellent show. Or show. Not as a section show. That's an excellent question, Brendan. Let's go to Board Game Geek. Ah, uh, because I, I, I'm not really sure. I'm just going to go to ranked.rado.com and I'm just going to look at my collection. Because um, I don't think Roll to Resolve is a mechanism, unfortunately. It really should be. There's just dice or dice rolling. See, so just looking at my top 144 games, which ones feature dice rolling? 
uh, roll to resolve, not just dice rolling. Of course, uh, I love rolling dice and then using those dice as a resource. Um, Manhattan Project Energy Empire has some roll to resolve, if I recall correctly, because you uh, spend a lot of work trying to get those power-generating dice, and then you roll to see how much power you get. So that Manhattan Project Energy Empire is in my top 20 games of all time, and it has roll to resolve. Um, so that, there's one. What else? Escape, I wouldn't really consider that. Escape's a very different thing. And same for Project League. Those are real-time games. Roll to resolve in a real-time scenario where you kind of roll as much as I want. Yeah, that's fine. That's totally cool. Uh, right, Roll Camera's a dice worker placement game. Uh, of course, yeah, you mentioned Space Hulk, Death Angel. I mean, I like that game in spite of the roll to resolve. DDD. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not... Oh, oh, Legends of Andor. Legends of Andor is a cooperative fantasy epic adventure game that uh, the combat is 100% roll to resolve. I wish it wasn't, but at least they do some interesting stuff. It's specifically the archer, which Jen always would play the archer. Um, you don't... I mean, you... you in this game, you want to get as big a handful of dice as you can to be able to roll to get as many to to roll high because you have to you know sum up the value of your dice and if you do enough damage, you'll kill a monster and if not, they'll do damage to you. Very bog standard stuff. But what um, Menzel, the designer, did Michael Menzel, the artist slash designer, did with the roll resolve for the archer specifically was it was a push-your-luck game. Uh, you did not just get your big handful of dice and then roll... Oh, that's right, yeah. Andor says you get a big bunch of dice, you roll them all, and then your success is the highest value die you got. And most of the characters, oh, I've got three dice, i got four dice, i got five dice. I roll, and oh, I got a five. That was the highest number I got. And for the archer, you roll them one at a time. You roll a two, oh, that's terrible. Of course I'm going to roll again. You roll a four, oh, do I stop? Or do I keep going? I've got... Two more dice. Do I think I can do better than the four? Because if I move on, I can't go back. I loved that. I thought that was a really wonderful push-your-luck mechanism that I could see working in a lot more uh, games. And I, I have seen it done in some other games, too. So that's certainly an example. And, um, yeah, what else? D-d-d. Well, there's a, those are a few. Uh, role player introduced a lot of role to resolve with the expansions, and I hate it. I can't stand it. I, you know, it's one of the rare games where I think the base game without the expansions is better because of all the introduction of role to resolve in role player. That was always kind of heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, but anyway, th- there, there's a few. Um, it seems like, oh, oh man, what's his name? Ryan Lockett can't stop putting role to resolve skill tests in all of his big epic storyline games. So, and uh, you know, and near and far. I still think it's fantastic, and it has, I'm pretty sure it has dice skill rolls. Oh, it even has dice duels, uh, which you'd think would be hate, we would absolutely hate. And I have to admit, it's not like I love that stuff, but Near and Far as a whole is so great. And that would certainly be true for Ryan Lockett's other games, where he insisted on putting Roll to Resolve in. So yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly plenty of examples where it works out fine for us. Um, but it is the ex- those are still the exception to the rule. Okay, Daniel wonders. Uh-oh, Daniel says, Concordia is still not a deck builder. Okay, uh, right, so this, this is a subject that will never die. At least it'll never die until I stop. I, Daniel, fine, it's not a deck builder, whatever. All right, all right let's hear Daniel's argument. Uh, the, uh, all right, and I'm sure we'll hear more about this next month. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about the board game mechanism called deck building, not uh, semantics, all right? Um, I'm talking about semantics. If we're talking about definitions, definitionally, we are talking about semantics, Daniel. Semantics is... The science of the definition of words. How can you say you're not talking about semantics? when you, If you want to have this conversation, we're arguing about semantics. We're arguing about the definition of deck builder. 
That's semantics, baby. Anyway, let's continue. Alrighty. Uh, my H2O example is perfect for debunking my view. Uh, okay, I honestly, I don't remember what my H2O example was because as soon as I stop recording this, I stop thinking about it because I don't care because it's just semantics. Uh, the important thing, the important thing is, do people understand you? If if your ideas are, are gotten across in a way, I... I used to be different. I used to stand on ceremony. I used to push my, um, you know, virtual glasses up and say, well, actually, the proper usage of that word is blah, blah. Actually, irregardless is meaning because you really mean to say, you know, whatever. There's a million of them. I used to do that. And at some point I realized, why? If I say regardless, irregardless of whether I say regardless or irregardless, people know what I mean. That's the sum total purpose of words. So I have to admit, Semantic arguments, generally speaking, are not that big a deal. My biggest one, I used to have such a big bugaboo about gameplay mechanics. And I will admit, still just kind of is a nail on chalkboard for me, but I let it go. I stopped correcting people on this a long time ago because it just didn't matter. But anyway, let's continue. My H2O. What was my H2O argument? I think it was something about... Oh, God, I don't remember. H2O is water. Was I making an argument about whether you break apart water on a molecular structure is... I don't remember. Anyway, perhaps you'll explain it. The equivalence of calling a Concordia a deck builder would be calling the substance a liquid just because other substances like H2O are also liquids. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll defer to you. I, I Honestly, I, I don't remember my original argument about it. All right. If I drew... Okay, so... Uh, continuing. If I drew only some of the cards from my discard pile, then... Um, oh, I'm sorry, was it Daniel? Yeah. For, then Daniel might agree it serves as a deck as well as a discard. Okay, then. Fine. Um, oh, 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 but we're talking about Concordia specifically. Because that would technically mean it's a deck and a hand. All right. I do. I'm, it's starting to come back to me now. As I recall, my number one argument last month was about defining the word deck, which you apparently don't want to do because you want to talk about gameplay mechanisms when, in fact, this is a semantics argument. If Are you building a deck? What is a deck? That is a question of definitions. That is a semantic, which means you got to come back. Uh, Daniel, you're going to have to meet me where I'm wanting to talk about this. I'm wanting to talk about what is a deck. To me, a deck is a collection of cards, the same way a pride is a collection of lines. I remember that argument now. Maybe you'll talk about that a little bit later. And just because some of the lions are asleep and some of them are awake doesn't mean it suddenly stops being a pride. It's still a pride of lions. Just because some of the lions are out hunting and other ones are back at the den doesn't mean it's not a pride. And by the same token, a collection of cards is a deck. Even if some of the cards are in your discard pile and some of them are in your draw pile and some of them are in your hand, all those cards combined are still a deck. And if you add cards to any of those things, you are adding cards to the deck. In it, except you are building a deck. You see where I'm coming from. Now, you say you don't want to have a semantics argument. That's my argument. So, uh, let's see. I don't, let's see. Um, right. And uh, yeah, you really want to talk about... I mean, uh, Daniel, please, come back next month. Talk to me about a semantics argument, because to me, this is a semantics question. If you're trying to define a deck builder, you have to define a deck. Let's start there. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Um, so, yikes. Okay. Uh, uh, I really, I feel bad. I should read what you're going to say. All right, I'm going to pause for a second because I realize I don't have to do all this live. I can pause and then give a thoughtful answer. Hold on. Okay, I did read it. And yeah, uh, Daniel, we're not, we're, we're having completely different conversations here. Um, I'm sorry. And 
I will defer to you on your point that a deck builder requires the definition of a draw pile and this and that and the other. I'm talking about, hey, uh, this again, I probably mentioned this before too. I'm sorry for folks who fundamentally don't care about this topic and it keeps coming up month after month. Uh, People used to get all up in arms about the definition of worker placement. That, um, you know, and, and, and I would often get heat when I would say, oh, this game is a worker placement. There, it's not a worker placement game. It can't be defined as a worker placement game unless you have a worker that you place on a, um, a communal board and that prevents other players from being able to go to that space. And anything that fails that litmus test is by definition an action selection game. And that was always such a meaningless statement to be because all games are action selection games. All games, we select what action we're going to do. It's just a method of how we go about selecting the action. And for me, if I've got a thing that's called a worker, and I place it somewhere to do something, that's it. That's a worker placement game. Whether it's a communal board, whether I block somebody or not, is immaterial. It's a, I placed a worker, therefore it's a worker placement game. Do I have a deck of cards and I add cards to that deck? Then it's a deck building game. That's where I'm going to... And we're just going to have to agree to disagree, Daniel. Um, Because to me, it's 100% semantics. And I'll stop repeating myself again. But thanks for writing. Okay. And I appreciate the passion. Don't get me wrong. Okay. From Frank. Have I ever thought about replaying my top 20 games to see if they're as glorious as I truly remember them? Uh, You know, I've recently played some of them, like Castles of Burgundy. But what about the rest? Uh, Frank knows uh, both really busy playing the latest games and making glass, and it might be a good thing to replay some of these uh, you haven't played in years in order to see if they'd still be in your top 20. I, I completely agree, Frank. I completely agree. It would 100% be a good thing. Um, but you know what else is a good thing? Paying them bills. And Rado Runs Through is a job. I do this to support my mother. Which we, whom we moved halfway across the world to come and support, um, and uh, you know to pay our insanely ridiculously high uh, United States in, uh, health insurance premiums. That in spite of the fact that we pay through the nose for them, we're still too terrified to actually go to the hospital for anything because then we'll have to pay copays on top of that. And so we, the only thing we can afford, the only thing we can afford is to be in a car wreck um, because then only then will our freaking insurance be valuable. So, I'm sorry, I say all of that, that was getting into the personal side of things, to say why, believe me, nothing would make me happier. I still have the list up, right? Let's go. Nothing would make me happier than to go back and play some more Gloomhaven, or play some more Agricola, or play some more Nations. Oh my gosh, of my top 10 games, what would I want to play most? Probably Nations. Probably Nations. I think of my top 10. Nations is the one I've gone the longest. Or maybe Keyflower. Either Nations or Keyflower. To answer your question, though, have I played other stuff? I feel like I'm playing Pandemic all the time because there's constantly new versions of Pandemic that are constantly coming out. I feel like playing Wrath of the Lich King, which was mentioned earlier in this podcast. It's kind of got me back in touch with my Pandemic roots. Even, it's a very different game. Um, Gloomhaven. I have put more time into Gloomhaven than any other game in any format in my entire 52 years on this planet. And that's including every video game. That's including uh, EverQuest and World of Warcraft and Diablo and Doom and Quake. That's including... No, it's not including everything. That's not including the games that I personally developed as a video game developer. Uh, yeah, I put more time into them. Probably, I probably played Brink more than any other game in in history of games. But um, yeah, I mean, but in terms of, of games, I did not make myself. I've I've played so much Gloomhaven. It will always. I mean, I, I'd happily play it again. But I don't think it's going to fall in my standing at all. Plus, 
I got to play it again not too long ago because we covered Jaws of the Lion and we covered it was a one-two uh, Frosthaven. So I feel like that's still fairly fresh in my mind. I did play a I played Agricola within the last two years I think because I covered the B deck, the Bubblecliss deck. Or the yeah, I think it, I think I think you now played the A and the B, and I'm hoping to play the C and the D because I've got both of them. Those might happen at some point over the next year as a um, you know the R and R videos, the not the R and R, the relax videos and the runaway videos that Jen and I film only for YouTube or Patreon backers. I could see that happening, but we played Agricola fairly recently. Twa, I played that when Black Angel came out because I wanted to kind of have it fresh in my mind to compare the two. Burgundy, as you pointed out, we played, I think because we covered the uh, the super 25th anniversary edition or whatever it was. Peleponese, I have not played in a long time. Keyflower, I have not played in a long time. Nations, I have not played in a long time. D Dominion, it feels like I play that fairly regularly because new expansions keep coming out. When Re Renaissance came out, we played it some more. There's a new expansion that's come out. I haven't gotten it yet. When it comes out, I'll get to play it some more. Keyflower and Nations, I think, are the two that I have not played for years, and I would love to play them. And, you know, I guess I could imagine maybe Keyflower would drop a bit because Keyflower is very long. And Nations, these are both very long games. These are in my top 10, the two longest games I own that I put in my top 10. And over time, Jen and I have found we are less and less and less and less. We have less patience for long games. It's become more of an issue for us. So that would be an amazing litmus test to see, okay, is it that we just don't have time for long games, or is it just there aren't, they have to be a really exceptionally great long game? If we played Nations and we're like, oh, this doesn't feel too long, because I certainly feel like that's how I used to feel about playing it, and the same for Keyflower, that would be interesting. So would it be useful? Yes. Would it be as useful as, um, you know, getting paid uh, so I can pay my bills? Not as useful. So that's kind of why, that's kind of why they wait. But th th there was a little bit of self-introspection for you, Frank. Thanks for the question. Okay, hey Jack, Jack Attack says, there are two 4X style games on Kickstarter right now. Shay covered one of them, Voidfall. The other one, Fractal Beyond the Void, had just launched when Jack wrote this. Do I have any thoughts of either of them? Were, I contact were we contacted to cover Fractal? I don't remember. I will take a quick looky-loo. Let me fire up Outlook, which I am not going to share on screen because you folks don't need to see all my emails. Uh, Fractal, let's do a search for Fractal. All right, no. It looks like most of the emails I have with the word fractal in it were the incredibly long thread when uh, we were working on a custom game mat from, uh, what was it called? Power something? You know, the the, the mat you see in, in screenshots of when me and Jen are playing games. It had a fractal pattern. So that's mentioned a million times there. Let me go back to your question. Fractal Beyond the Void. So no, I the publisher never contacted us about it. If they had, I'm sure Shay would have been happy to cover it. Uh, and I'm sure I would not, because at the end of the day, to answer your original question, do I have any interest in them? No. That that fourth X, that Exterminate X, that'll get me every time, and that'll keep me keep me walking away. So I don't have much to say about it. It's kind of a bummer, though. It's a real shame. It, it would have been fantastic for Shade to cover both of them and, and you know, contrast and compare a little bit. But I'm sorry, I cannot help you, Jack. All right, Jack continues. He's considering backing Roll Camera. And um, you already have Intrepid, which is the cooperative dice placement game on the International Space Station, which was a very, very cool game. Uh, Jack continues that I liked Roll Camera a lot more. Uh, yes, definitely liked it a lot more. Jack asks, why? He continues, they both seem to be similar weight. They're both cooperative. They're both dice worker placement with asymmetric rolls. Is the theme alone what makes the difference? No, it's not that. Um... Although, don't get me wrong, you're right to say the theme is a big part. It could be. They could be literally, if they were literally the exact same dice worker placement game, and one had a theme about the International Space Station, and one had a theme about movie making, 
I'm going to like the movie making game more just on the theme alone. But what was it? Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember because it's been a long time since I played Intrepid or a couple of years, I guess. But it was a very good game. But the cooperation in, I think Intrepid, if I recall correctly, there was, there was less overlap between players. Right? Uh, it was more, okay, I roll these dice, and there were mechanisms where I could give you some of my dice, or, or, or no, there, or there was like a common pool of dice we could both draw from. And that was cool. I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't enough interaction between players, but really, the, the, the thing that elevates roll camera so high for me, I mean, heck, it was just in my, in my top 50. We just, uh, as I was looking at my rank.row.com a little bit ago, and the theme is a big part of it, but that's not what it is. It's, it's, it's one simple thing. It's imperfect communication. It's the fact that, okay, I've got a list of idea cards. I can't tell you what my ideas are. I can see, here's the situation. And when you're the lead player, Jack, and I could say, hey, look, let's have a mission. Let's, let's have a meeting. Let's have a meeting here. And you're like, no, no, no. Because if I can use this die over here, then I can build the set. And then we're just one die away from being able to shoot the scene. And yeah, it'll be in the wrong place, but, we, I, I, but, I, but, but don't worry about that. I can take care of it. Because you've got an idea that lets you recut the movie. I've got an idea that lets us rebuild the set right now so that the set will actually work for our next two scenes. And the thing is, um, it's not until we actually have that meeting. And, you know, okay, okay, fine, I'll have a meeting. And really, almost every round you have a meeting. And that's an opportunity for everybody to look at their ideas, put their best idea forward, and then one of those ideas will be the one that the producer, the, you know, the lead player, does. And another one of those ideas will go into a queue that we can actually pay to do it later. That system is one of the most brilliant systems. I mean, uh, what's it? Uh, Jamie Stegmeyer of Stonemeyer Games, he has a great YouTube, or actually he's, he, he does them on Facebook and then he puts them on YouTube, video series called My Favorite Game Mechanisms. It's not his favorite. It's just, uh, it makes it sound like it's the greatest mechanism of all time. So it's just like, he talks about a game and here's the thing a game does that he really loves. I love this idea so much, both because of the thematic. I mean, the way I just described it is 100% a true representation of the mechanisms, but it's a story that I tell 100% from the perspective of the theme of the game, of the setting. And um, I, I just love the way that works. Imperfect communication where I can't, where we have to work together, but I can't tell you all the information you need to know. You have to trust me. Trust me. Call the meeting. It'll be worth it. Because then inevitably, especially in a two-player game, what often happens is we call the meeting. I put my idea in and I know it's perfect. You put your idea in. Or maybe you hold back a good idea because you think, I've been so hot for it. It must be a really great idea. You don't want to scuffer my idea. But then in the two-player game, we draw a blind idea and throw it in the mix. And sometimes that's better than my idea. And this just, it's, there's a verisimilitude here where, you know, the, the, the trappings of the game fall away. And it's like, we're truly, cause we're sitting, we're having a meeting. We're all sitting around a table. We're all sharing ideas. And one of those ideas is going to be the solution to the problem. That more, that one thing, it's a simple little thing. There's a lot of dice worker placement games out there. Not very many co-op, unfortunately. Uh, and it, I don't mean to disparage Intrepid, but Intrepid has nothing like that. So that's a big part of what puts Roll Camera over Intrepid for me. All right. Jen Jack continues. Was I asked to cover Dinosaur World, Pandora's follow-up to Dinosaur Island? They did away with the biggest issue of the game that we had, the luck involved with visitors and hooligans draw. I did not know that. I had no idea. I have to admit... I had kind of ignored Dino World, Dinosaur World, because I figured they wouldn't. I figured they would stick to that. 
right, Jack continues. Uh, they have a much better sense of space in this one as you get to activate the tiles in your park by moving through, uh, moving around a jeeple. What are your thoughts on the game? Did you turn it down and why? I am pretty sure they never contacted us. Because here's the deal. Let me let me look. Dinosaur Island. Di- er, I'm going back to my email. Dino Sour Island. All right. DTT. Um, all right. There's a lot of things. It's oh no! They did contact me, Jack. They contacted me on on October second. And I replied the same day. Hey there. To be honest, Dinosaur Island wasn't that, or uh, Dinosaur, yeah, Dinosaur Island wasn't that big of a hit with us with the random variants of dino attacks, uh, plus the AP inducing dice assignment in the start. So I'll pass on covering it if that's okay. I'm sure it'll be a big hit though, smiley face. And uh, Pandasaurus replied, Of course, Rado, thanks for letting us know. Enjoy the rest of your week. Ah! Jack, where were you, baby? I should have talked to you because I described what I didn't like. And if Pandasaurus had said, oh, well, you know, it's interesting. Actually, that system has changed quite a bit. You might want to check out the rules. Because Pandasaurus did not reply saying that, I assumed I was right. I moved on to the next thing. If Pandasaurus had said, well, you know, interestingly, blippity bloppity bloop, I would have said, oh, interesting. Well, go on ahead and send me the rules. And then I would have read the rules. I would have said, oh, my gosh, I have to try this. And I never did. A miscommunication, a misfire. But, Jack, you have definitely prompted me to um, put Dinosaur... Is it World, right? Dino... Yeah. Because it, or Dino S-A-U-R World. Or, yeah, Dinosaur World is the new one. Um, yeah. I am putting it on my wish list. I'm giving it a three. I like to have, not all I love to have. But you piqued my interest. I'll be on the lookout for it in the future. And, you know, actually, it's interesting... The email, the title of it was New Version of Dinosaur Island. It didn't, I mean, you know, actually, did, did they even say, uh, yeah, we have a new version? They even said that the name of it was Dinosaur World. They just kept repeating, it's a new version of Dinosaur Island. Oh, and interestingly, this was back in 2020, last year, I guess when it was going to be on Kickstarter or something like that. So I just passed. I had no idea. I'm very embarrassed. And because I passed, of course, they never sent me a final retail copy. So, oh, that's on me. Um, you know what? I might have to put that on the Rado Request Geek List. Is it already on the Rado Request Geek List? Let's find that out. Uh, all right. And for folks on YouTube who have had nothing to look at for a while, let's actually let you watch me find out. Let's go to request, or requests. But you can see I put it on my wish list there. Request.rado.com. Which will come up in just a moment. All right. This is the Geek List where people can request I cover games. And uh, there's six pages. I'm not going to look through all six pages. I am just going to say, oh, where is it? Show me titles only, because then it'll all be on like one or two pages, right? Yep. Right. Do we have World? Wonderful World. I should have. Do we have Dinosaur? No. Nobody has requested it. Jack. 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 I assume you're on Board Game Geek. Go to request. Requests. Plural. Dot Rotto.com, although the singular one works as well, and add it. Once it starts getting enough thumbs, that, that's, uh, for folks who don't know, um, the games I cover, uh, several of them every month are chosen by vote from my Patreon backers. Several of them are ones that are paid Kickstarter previews. And several of them I choose myself. One of them is chosen by everybody in the world. Because you go to request.rao.com, you thumb the things you want. Whatever has the most thumbs that month is one of the games I will cover. If Dinosaur World gets on here, Jack, put it on there, and um, it gets enough thumbs... 
I will seek it out and I will film it for you because you've convinced me that I've made a terrible, terrible mistake. All right, cool. Let's move on. Hey, Matilda. Have I taken a look or even played the solo game of Cantaloupe? And if so, what did uh, I, as former video game designer, think of the cardboard point-and-click experience? Uh, you add, where do I draw... Oh, yeah, that's the first question. Um, I think... Was I contacted about Cantaloupe? I think I was. Let me go... Let's go on ahead and... Uh, oh, put the... Oh, right. Oh, but... Oh, there's a confusion. Right, Cantaloupe. Solve puzzles to gather your team and take revenge. From Lookout Games. No, I actually, I wasn't contacted about it. I did look at it a little bit. I didn't because it's not an escape room. It's, you know, it's a... You look at it, 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 as said here, it, it's like the old classic full throttle. Or what were the ones from Sierra Games where they called King's Quest? You know, where, oh, you go from room to room and they're pretty pictures and you look for to find things and then you combine things to other things and you solve puzzles and stuff like that. I saw that's what it was doing, and I said pass. I, I said this is not something I need to seek out because I don't know. I, I'm we've played so many escape room style board and card games. This is a different thing, but it's still in kind of the same wheelhouse. And I'm just kind of done trying to solve puzzles that other people have come up with. I want to. I I, I just find it more engaging to to solve the puzzle of right the game. These are the resources I have. These are the actions I can take. This is what you're likely to do. How do I solve the puzzle of how best to proceed? That's a more interesting puzzle to me than putting together a series of things. So I never really sought out Cantaloupe. Um, so yeah. Um, but anyway, continuing on, you then ask. Where do I draw the line, in general, when it comes to my approach and my work between a review and a preview? It's really simple. It's a review if nobody paid me. It's a preview if somebody paid me. Um, when it boils right down to it. That's not true. Sorry, I just had to get a drink of water. Oh my goodness. So thirsty. Right. It's a preview if it was a paid Kickstarter. If they've sent me a prototype and I've done a run-through and then I've given my opinion. The thing is, when I started doing this, because I needed to, because Rotto Runs Through, just based on YouTube ads and occasional crowdfunding, did not make enough money for us to live in America, based on what I was complaining about earlier, which I won't repeat myself. I repeat myself way too much as it is. I try to stop that. So, uh, that's when I decided, well, you know what? I should probably start doing paid Kickstarter previews. Actually, it had happened, I think, even before. Because before we moved back to help take care of my mom, we were taking care of my mom from afar, and I had needed to increase my income. So there's no getting around it. And I felt really pretty stupid as the only board game reviewer, a YouTube video person who wasn't charging at that time. And in fact, many of my contemporaries would often complain to me, you're making us look bad. You're making it hard for us to live. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I have to stick to my principles. I don't, you know, and I always felt kind of bad about it. And then on top of that, I needed more money to take care of my mom. So I started doing it. And when I originally started doing it, I'm sure I've said this before, my intention was, oh, it's just going to be a run through. And the final thoughts section just won't be there. It'll be a preview. And you know, it's a preview because I didn't give my final thoughts. And in droves, um, you know, the people who actually pay the majority of my salary, my Patreon backers, said, no, that is not what we want. We want to hear your opinion. And I'm like, okay, I, I will give the, the most important people in the world or the people who actually help me do my dream job, which I kind of stumbled into by accident. So, of course, I'm going to do what those people want. And those people said, no, we want you to still give your opinion. And so that's why I... 
um, started out doing it, and I was super clear, more so than pretty much anybody else at the time. I everybody was ticking the little box, you know, that you have in YouTube that says, "Oh, this was paid promotion." But I started my videos always saying, "Please remember, this was a paid Kickstarter preview," and I, I just led with that, and I just tried to drill it into people's minds. I even went so far as to say, "Please, for for the first year I was doing it, this was a paid Kickstarter preview, so take my opinions with a grain of salt." I ultimately had to stop saying that because it created more confusion because. Every week, somebody would come forward and say, what do you mean take it with a grain of salt? Are you admitting that you're lying? Like, no, I'm not lying. I'm just trying to, if you are somebody who is um, pre-disposed or pre, uh, I can't think of the word. I'm starting to lose it, folks. Uh, Pre-inclined to uh, doubt someone's trustworthiness because everybody to you is, uh, you know, is is easily bought. You know, if, if, um, then you should just know that, and I'm just letting you know. But I ultimately stopped saying that because it, I mean, because so many people are like, no, I mean, I, I, we trust you, Rado. You've been doing this for 10 years. So I stopped saying that, but I still very clearly say it. And I also clearly label them as previews to further underscore the fact that I was paid to do this. Now, this year, literally, I think it started this year with Funfair, if I recall correctly, because they contacted me about Funfair, and I said, look, I'm way too busy with stuff. I might be able to cover this in a few months. Um, you know, plus, uh, you know, may, maybe the maybe the the Patreon backers would choose it, and and, and so you might get lucky. And but otherwise, I might not cover it for six months because I'm so backed up. And they said, "Well, what if we pay you to do it?" I'm like, "Okay, well, I do get paid to do these other things. I guess I could do that for this." But then it wasn't a preview anymore because it wasn't a prototype. It wasn't you know. Well, you know, there's just still some work in progress. It was a thing that people could go out and buy, but they needed it on a certain time and day, and it was going to be a rush job, and it was going to be really stressful for me to do it. So I said, okay, what the heck, I'll give it a try. And um, and so if you go watch my fun fair run through, I say, and, you know, hey, ready day, Rado runs through, blah blah blah. But when I get to the final thoughts, because my run throughs are objective. There's no subjective opinion there. That's just me demonstrating the game. And that's where the rubber hits the road. That's when you, the audience, learns if it's a game you would want to play. Really, um, you know, my final thoughts are material. But on my final thoughts for Funfair, and this has now happened a couple more times, you'll notice I said, hey everybody, please remember, this was a paid game pay run-through. And with that out of the way. So I still try to very, very clearly delineate um, that or, you know, or indicate or you know make clear that I was paid to do this, and therefore it's something you should take into account. Um, because if you are predisposed, that's the word I was looking for. If you're predisposed to believe that somebody, if they are paid to do something, they instantly fall in love with the thing and they cannot have a critical thought about it whatsoever, and you know, because they're instantly bought, then I should tell you that I was paid to do this, so you can bear that in mind when you listen to my final thoughts. Or, even better, you can ignore my final thoughts altogether and just go watch the run-through, which is an objective documentation of what the game is. And so you can decide for yourself. So that's how I do it. Um, Sorry, that was very long-winded. But hopefully that answered the question. If not, you know where to go, Matilda. Questions at Rao.com, and we can follow up. Okay. Shannon says, What do I think about the announcement of the Sinister Motives expansion for Marvel Champions? I think nothing of it, because uh, ever since I stopped obsessively reading the RSS feed for Board Game Geek, I am often surprised and have no idea what games are coming out. And Shannon, this is news to me. Let's take a look. Uh, Marvel Champions Sinister Motives. Are they... Right. uh, All right. It's a a Spider-Man and Venom-themed expansion. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's... Okay, it's it's their next big box, is it? And it's going to be all about Sinister Six? Oh, that's pretty cool. If your question is... my, My answer is... Oh... 
I love Spider-Man. It's my favorite superhero. And, you know, I'm of an age where I read the original Sinister Six's stories. So that's all very cool. Apparently, oh, they talked about it in the Gen Con flight. Yeah, that's the thing. I just don't pay attention to what's coming up anymore. I Because there's too much to keep track of. It was, it was a full-time job doing it. So, I mean, and inevitably, if it's cool, I'll hear about it. Like this. Shannon, I heard about it from you. But if I hadn't heard about it from you, I would have heard about it from somebody else. Um, so, what are my thoughts? That's awesome. That's great. Hopefully, especially because it's focusing on Spider-Man. Um, and Spider-Man, more than most heroes, one of the reasons I love him so much is... I mean, all Marvel heroes really, books focus on their personal lives. But, I mean, what everybody thinks of when they think about Spider-Man is all the trials and tribulations he has in his personal life. The fights are beside the point. And that's what made me fall in love with Marvel Champions. So I guess, knowing nothing about this expansion, my number one, fingers crossed, is please be true to Spider-Man, to Ditko and Lee. Please make this a box that focuses as much on the alter ego side as it does the hero side. Because, Shannon, I'm assuming you're a fan of Marvel Champions and you've probably heard me complain on more than one occasion that I'm constantly disappointed that they keep to be throwing away what makes their game special. So fingers crossed, if there was ever a time for them to do it... I mean, they went out into space, Guardians of the Galaxy, there is no alter ego, so that's been fine for a while. I hope this signals a return to what made the original box so special. All right. Is there a particular hero you're... Um, that I hope will show up in a future expansion for Marvel Champions. My favorite two heroes in the Marvel Comics universe are Spider-Man and She-Hulk. They were in the base box. So I had everything I ever wanted. I don't like Deadpool, but I would really be interested to see what they do with Deadpool because of, you know, his breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience and seeing... I mean, because they've always been... They've done such an... I, I can imagine a Deadpool playable character in Marvel Champions kind of functioning like... You remember the uh, Metal Gear Solid? What I forget which boss it was. Ocelot? I forget. Uh, the one where the boss said... Where to, win, to beat the boss, they were impossible. And what you had to do is you had to physically put your controller down or plug your controller from slot one into slot two so because they could read your mind and now when you were playing in slot two um they couldn't read your mind anymore and that was amazing that was like pulling the real world i play in into the game i could imagine deadpool doing that where um it's less about you know the statuses and the hit points and you know the upgrades and the allies and it's more about what kind of chair are you sitting in i you know that would be awesome that would be really cool who knows um, uh, anybody else who, I, that was a pretty good answer. I'm pretty happy with that answer. I think I'm going to, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead, uh, quite frankly, uh, particularly because, I mean, who knows how many people actually care. I mean, it's, if, I, if I'm going to wax rhapsodic about Marvel comics, I probably should do that in the personal section. All right. Anyway, though, continuing, Shannon did have a question for Jen. Would there be a hero villain or scenario that could get her excited to play Marvel champions again? I guarantee you there's not because Jen just doesn't care. She doesn't care about the movies. Um, I mean, I, had a, I mean, she didn't care about seeing the Black Widow movie. She hasn't seen Shang-Chi. I went and saw it in the theaters. I just got back from Eternals the other day. She had zero interest. It's just not even remotely... Um, I mean, she enjoys them while she's watching them, but they're all forgettable to her. And so she has no great love. So yeah, there's not going to be a single character or villain or scenario or anything that would drag her in. Uh, it's just the gameplay. Alrighty. Then we move on to top who has the final game questions. Because I, I forgot to mention, folks, right up front, when I said Jen isn't going to be here this month, uh, when I was making this big list, I 
I set aside, or maybe I did say this. I set aside some game questions that Jen would like. I set aside most of the personal questions because they'd have some Jen to do. So I'm just right now going through all of the game stuff that Jen wouldn't have anything to do with. And I'm going to do some personal stuff. These are the last bits of games. And Top actually sent in like 50 bajillion questions. Um, but I'm right now going to talk about question number one, 1A and 1B, because the rest, you know, had Jen written all over them. So from Top, first of all, I don't know if this is game-related, but suppose Jen isn't around anymore, heaven forbid. 1A. Would I continue with Rotto Runs Through, everything else being the same? And that's an interesting question. Normally, the question is always, would you keep playing board games? And I think that's your second question. Would I keep playing board games? Would I keep doing Rotto Runs Through? Because the thing is, even if Jen is gone, I still got to eat. I still got to take care of my mom. Now, a third of all my expenses, or not a third, but, you know, you know what I mean. What is it? What is Jen? I mean, there's, there's my universal expenses because I just have to have a roof over my head. But then there's all the stuff, you know, the expenses with Jen, the expenses with me. If, if Jen represents a sixth of all the expenses I ever encounter, and Jen covers a third of those, so, I mean, I don't know what fraction it is. Um, if, if Jen were to suddenly, were gone, heaven forbid, for whatever reason... Um, I would lose her income. I would lose her outlay. And I suspect I would still need to work. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be able to quit. So the question really is, really, the question is, would I go back to the video game industry? Would I get a job? Because I could do that in a heartbeat. I could call up some recruiters and I could get some um, interviews lined up very, very quickly because I was a big freaking deal in the video game industry. I'm responsible. I mean... I figured it out at one point that, you know, my combined sales of my games, and this was like 10 years ago, were like, like, was it like, wasn't it 500 million or something like that in money? Or maybe it was half a billion. Yeah, I think I made, I think at one point I actually figured it out and my games combined had made over a half a billion dollars for the various publishers who had published them. And that was like a real number. That wasn't inflated at all. And uh, yeah, so you might imagine publishers would like to have me back on. So I could get a job if I wanted it. And so I'd have to ask, do I want to go back and do that? I would have nothing else in my life because Jen is my entire life. So what would I do after I'm done curling up in a ball and I got to get back up and start living again? It would certainly make sense because I would go back to really comfortable six-figure salaries, um, which is what I commanded when I was... And this I, I commanded those 15 years ago. I don't even know how much money I'd make these days. Um, but oh, I'm sure nothing's changed. I'm sure it'd still be a nightmare. But now, who cares if it's a nightmare? I wouldn't have anything else in my life. There were I. There were many people I worked with in the video in the video game industry who, yeah, I don't mind sleeping on the floor. I don't have to go home. I have nothing to go home to. Maybe it would make sense. Maybe I would just become someone like that. Because if Jen's not here, am I going to go out and and try to find love? Am I going to go on dating apps? I don't think so. I, that's 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 kind of unthinkable. So if I've got nothing in my life, I mean, what, is Rotto Runs Through going to become my life? That means it would have to be about me, you know, living at the local local game stores, you know, going to, um, you know, game group meetups and all of that. And, you know, that'd become a social outlet. And I suppose that'd be valuable. I don't want to think about this. Top, you're a monster. Why are you making me answer this question? I think it would just make sense to go back to the video game industry. Because another thing is, I don't know if I'd be able to enjoy board games Losing Jen, I mean, I enjoy them so much because I enjoy her, and I enjoy her company. And it's a shame she's not here to hear her say this, because I'm sure it would warm the cockles of her heart. Would, game, would board games be ruined for me if I couldn't share them with her anymore? They might be. They certainly would be for a while. 
And if that's the case, how can I keep doing Rado runs through? I think, yeah, at that point, I might just try to hand it over to Shea and Ryan and Ruel and and hopefully by that point, other people who, um, you know, and, and let them can ter- carry on. And maybe I'll just get, get a tiny bit of the back end, just a little bit. I think that's, my gut feeling is that's probably, that's what would make the most sense because I'm just trying to imagine what a sh- broken, shattered shell of a man I would be if I lost Jen. Because again, yeah, she is, she is the, um, you know, she is the sun and I orbit around her. You know, she is the center of my life. I could also imagine just, you know, saying, hey, you know what? Um, I, I, let's just stop doing anything. Let's just spend my entire life is nothing more than, you know what, what another thing I might do? Because it's not like I'd want to go back to the board game industry or the video game industry. And if I couldn't enjoy board games anymore, what do I enjoy that I don't share with her? I was just talking about it a few seconds ago. Marvel. Movies. Maybe, actually, I think this is what would happen. I think I would pivot. The channel would pivot, or I would start a second channel. Rado runs through the movies and TV shows, and I would start trying to build up a successful pop culture TV series movie channel show. Because I've got really deep thoughts about all this stuff. Oh man, I could talk for days about the Eternals. And I think I would be an interesting uh, comparison. Well, who knows? Maybe I'd be bound to failure because I would be the positive one. I would be the guy who loves everything. And I would be able to explain why. And why everybody who wants to crap all over everything. Because that's what gets the clicks. I mean, um, I would not be Cinema Sins. I would be Cinema Wins. Which is uh, a channel I subscribe to. If I could find an angle like that Cinema Wins, which is brilliant. That YouTube channel. I think that's what I would do. I would try to pivot. Because I'm sure a lot of my audience would follow. Uh, if I did a, you know, if a, a Rado cinema or, or a Rado pop culture or something like that, I would make a go of that. And I would live very simply, very frugally. And that would become my life, just watching movie and TV shows until probably I die. Because again, I mean, I, this would be for the personal section. If somebody wants to, they can ask, how did Jen and I get married? Because I was a quiet, shy, withdrawn recluse and Jen pushed the agenda. And is that going to happen again? I doubt it. I don't know. So that would, wow, I spent a lot more time on that question than I thought I was going to, but that was heavy. Okay, let's continue. Maybe the next one won't be quite so hard. Suppose I stopped Rado. Well, we just decided that's what I'm going to do. Would I continue playing board games? It looks like I kind of answered that question. And if so, to what extent, how many hours a week? Would I play solo, two player, three player, four player? Would I seek out a gaming group? Would I go to game nights? Would I play board games online? Um, Play new games if possible or stick with uh, ones you know and love? See, I would think not. I would think... I mean, everything about this game... I I enjoy playing board games with people at conventions. I totally do. It's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't speak to me in my soul. Board games speak to me in my soul because I share them with my wife. And if, my, if I can't share them with her, if I, I suspect they would feel hollow and empty. Unless I could find somebody else that I could love as much as Jen. And I could share my life with her. And I guess I didn't. I didn't. I did not entertain that... I guess after the uh, after a period of time, maybe I could get out there. Maybe I could find a game geek girl who um, you know who loves this game kind of stuff as me. I mean, God, I mean, Jen would be just about the most impossible act to follow you could possibly imagine. And of course she is because we've been married for thirty years now. What ninety two? Yeah, for almost thirty years. 
successfully. We have molded ourselves to each other. We complete each other. I mean, how is somebody else going to follow that? But maybe, maybe that's a possibility. And if I could find that, if I could share that, then I can imagine Rado continuing. And heck, maybe I'd find somebody who would want to share it with me. I mean, because it, it, it's kind of sad. I, I, it would be awesome if Jen could actually share this. You know, the camera, the computers, the setups, and all that stuff. It'd be great for the channel, too, if Jen was willing to appear on camera more, obviously, and do run-throughs on the side. So maybe that's a possibility. That seems unthinkable to me. But, I mean, never say never, right? I don't know. I don't know. All right, but anyway. Whew, that was a deep dive. Top. Maybe I should have put those in personal. Maybe. It seemed like they were game-related. They were Rado-related. But, um, folks... We, I guess you could consider that a sneak peek because we do have a few personal questions. They're really kind of pop culture things that Jen never has an interest in and she just kind of stares off into space while I answer those. So hang on. Hang on. Oh, oh, um, oh, if you don't want pop culture and you're done, then thanks for listening or watching. Send more questions to questions at Rao.com. Have a nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye. Otherwise, hang on. We'll be right back. And we're back. I literally just took enough time to take another few swigs and scroll the screen up. So let's go. Andrus says, do I watch Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond podcast? And when you say watch, you mean because it's on YouTube and Twitch. Actually, Kevin cheats. The Fat Man um, Beyond uh, show is simulstream to Twitch and YouTube at the same time. And that's totally breaking the 24-hour exclusivity thing. Not that I'm going to support him or report him or anything like that, but I always thought that was kind of funny. It seems like, I mean, I'm really paying attention to that. I'm trying to follow that rule with the R&R show, so we're exclusively streaming on Twitch and then putting it on YouTube 24 hours later. Kevin Smith don't play that. Kevin Smith says, I'm Kevin Smith. Uh, I made clerks. And so, anyway, though, do I watch it? Ignore the rest if the answer is negative. Um, Andrus, the answer is affirmative. The answer is positive. I have loved Kevin Smith for years. Kevin Smith easily makes one of the makes one of my um you know, if you if you could play uh board games with celebrities, who would you want to play with? Totally. Kevin Smith might even top the list. At least if we're talking about I mean I don't know. I mean, there, there's, there should be people I'd want to put above the list. But, I mean, if you're talking about just Hollywood celebrity types, Kevin Smith I think would totally top the list. Anyway, though. So we will continue. If, when I ever visit Los Angeles, would I try to attend a taping of the show, um, which is filmed at the Scum and, Scum and Villainy Cantina, which is, for folks who don't know, is a faithful recreation of the bar in Mos Eisley, but done differently enough so as not to get hit with copyright infringement, but it's obviously very lovingly done. And every week, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, two uh, Hollywood writers slash filmmakers, get together and talk all about pop culture for a few hours in front of a live audience of people just getting drunk. And generally, they're getting drunk, too. Would I attend a live taping? I would love to. That would be fantastic. Um, or, or, or would I just visit the, the, the Scum and Villainy can, uh, Cantina? No, I, w- I would want to go to the show. And then your last question, what would I like to ask? Because the second half of the show is them always taking questions from the audience. I don't know that I would ask a question. I would love to hang out with Kevin Smith, quite frankly, because I have always felt he and I are opposite sides of the same coin. We're both practically the same age. I think I'm like a year older than him or something like that. We both, in our 20s, set out to make something on a shoestring budget with a very, very small crew of people. And against all odds, it went on to be super, you know, transformative, major hit. He, of course, made Clerks. I made Siphon Filter. 
And both of these things happened. We were both working on these things at the exact same time. He was doing it in Hollywood with movies. I was doing it with video games. Um, and both of those things launched our careers. And then we were able to go on and do many, many more things. Some successful projects, some... Um, best forgotten projects. Eventually, we both got burned out of our dream career. Me making video games, him making movies, and walked away. He then pretty much was one of the progenitors of modern podcasting. He was one of the first ones and really kind of popularized the art form. Um, and uh, meanwhile, it took me a few more years. I stayed in my industry longer than him. But then I eventually left and came to YouTube and started um, do, you know, talking about the thing I used to make rather than making the thing. And that's what he does. And um, yeah, it's just beat for beat. And you know, he's an, a, a relentlessly positive, optimistic, upbeat person. Um, you know, he's incredibly well-spoken and entertaining. I, I, you know, the overlap between me and him, I would love to sit down and, and talk and all that. But I don't think I have a particular question. I feel like I know so much about him because I listened to, oh, I mean, I listened to all, uh, all of his Smodcast stuff for years. I eventually stopped because it was just too much. Uh, and so now the I only just watch Fat Man Beyond. I don't even know what he does with the other stuff. Does he still do his Scott Moser stuff? Does he still do um, the, the science show? Does he still do Hollywood Babylon? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I would love to hang out with Kevin Smith. I would go, love to go climb Running Canyon with him um, and bring, um, you know, Oh, is, is Schmecky, did Schmecky die? I, I've tried to remember. Anyway, hardly matters. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I've loved his movies, too. I mean, my God. You know, Dogma and Red State? Jeez Louise, who knew he had that in him? Um, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll forgive him for Yoga Hosers. <laughs> um, actually, if, the first half of Yoga Hosers is great. If he had just stayed in that and hadn't gone where it went, I, I thought Yoga Hosers could have been really fantastic, too. And Walrus was just weird. But yeah, so thanks for asking, Andres. Uh, yes, I am a huge Kevin Smith fanboy. Daniel wonders, um, uh, Daniel knows I'm pro-mask, but it's always wondered, why don't I wear a mask at the beginning of each of my videos and say why I'm wearing it and then take it off since I'm at home? I could do that. Honestly, I mean, I can only do so much. I was wearing a wear a mask shirt for a while. I stopped when it looked like vaccinations were taking off before America just got stupid and decided to be stubborn and decide, hey, you know what? Let's just keep this going for the next decade by just refusing to do the most basic civic duty we can, which is put the needs of our fellow Americans, um, you know, foremost in our minds. Try to, you know, the, you, know, uh, you know, give back to the society that has given us so much. Oh, except I refuse to wear a mask. I refuse to get a vaccination. Whatever. I don't even go down that road. But so I was wearing him for a while. I stopped wearing that mask shirt. You know what, Daniel? I think I, that needs to come back into rotation. I'm kind of embarrassed I'm not wearing it right now. I think it is going to start coming back into rotation. I did actually do it once on a video. It was uh, when Jen and I were still doing live. It, it might have been the last one she ever did, or maybe the next to the last one. I think she did one more afterwards. And um, it has the most thumbs down of any video I have ever made. And so much hate came my way because of that. And, you know, I, I like to think I, I can stand up to all of it and I can I still do the right thing. But you know what? I got limits too. And I don't need that much hate and death threats and all that kind of crap because I wore my mask in one video as a way of saying, look, it's so easy to do, folks. We're sitting here right now. You could do it too. And really, it was a message to my fellow board game YouTubers who were constantly getting together back in, you know, when they really shouldn't have been doing it and they should have been sending a different message. So I just, I, I should, I should, 
I'm a hypocrite by saying I won't, but I think, Daniel, you have inspired me to bring that shirt out of mothballs. So you're going to see it pretty soon. Because, yeah, folks, if you're not going to get vaxxed, wear a freaking mask. I do wear the vaccination shirt quite a bit, though. I mean, I upgraded to that. At the end of the day, just get vaccinated. If we would all freaking do it, this could be freaking done. Oh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, though, let's move on. Uh, Jeroon, thank you, first of all, Jeroon, for saying how to pronounce your name, because otherwise I'd say Jaron. But Jeroon says, in my Morels video, I mentioned that my brother had an adventure eating mushrooms in the woods. Uh, Jeroon can't remember hearing the story before. Could I share it with us? It's not my story, unfortunately. I was off at college at the University of Washington, falling in love with a woman named Jennifer Bump, who would go on to become Jennifer Bump Ham. Um, and my brother, who is what? Uh, I think he's three years younger than me. He was in high school, and my brother has always been a wild child, always been rebellious, always been very quick to fall in with the wrong crowd and very subject to peer pressure. My brother is so much smarter than me, so much more charismatic than me. I mean, my brother is better than me in almost every metric. He's better looking than me, everything. But his one fatal flaw is he always gets in with the wrong crowd and just goes, you know, sends his life in the wrong direction. So... I was totally unaware of what was happening. I only heard secondhand that um, at some point while he was in high school, he had ditched school and he was found dead in the woods. And a hospital was brought out, or not hospital, uh, ambulance was brought out and he was revived in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And that he was legally dead for I don't know how long. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure I was told 20 years ago and I never really followed up. I've never really tried to get the, I, I think there's a lot of, I mean, because my, my parents don't know. Uh, it was, you know, his friends, I, I don't think they found him. I think he was with some people and I think he had a bad reaction to mushrooms and uh, basically he had a heart attack or something. I, apparently he stopped breathing though. And so they were able to get a hospital, they were able to get an ambulance out fairly quickly, which means, I mean, this was in Belfair, Washington. I, they must've been close to Shelton, I bet. He must've been out somewhere in the outskirts of Shelton. Uh, I, but I don't know, I'm guessing now. And uh, they were able to get him, they were able to revive him. And I've never talked to him about it. I've never talked to my parents about it. I just heard about it secondhand. Honestly, I don't want to know because it's just depressing. It's just kind of sad. Uh, apparently, I was making light of it, though, in the Morels uh, video, though. So, yeah, sorry. Not, not, not much fun there. My brother legally was dead for a little while as a result of eating mushrooms in the woods. That's the beginning and end of the story that I have, anyway. I'm sure there's a big story there. I just don't have it. Okay, Lance wonders. This is something I've asked for feedback on a while back. Lance says, since um, Lance has listened to all the rambles that I posted, finally thought about sending some thoughts. Lance, you've sent thoughts before, aren't aren't you? Aren't you a, a teacher of podcasts or a professor or something like that? And you do like media studies? I'm sure we've talked before, Lance. Unless this is a different Lance, I don't know. Anyway, though, Lance continues. I think it was Paulo that sent me a message about drinking into the microphone that was uh, driving um, me a bit crazy, like this. Yep, sorry, Paulo. I know that drives you nuts, but I'm thirsty. Um, or, but I think I think about it, it was driving Paulo crazy. Yeah, I had mentioned that in passing that, that Paulo, uh, you know. Uh, anyway, though, that being said, uh, Lance continues. I do what I have to do, and Lance will keep listening. Okay, so Lance is also driven nuts. Oh, I apologize, Lance. I just did it for comedic effect. Sorry. Uh, it's genuinely noticeable and very cringy, and I pro and I believe I've done it three or four times in this very episode. All right, Lance, since you're listening. I don't want to pause every time I do it. Let's see. If I get into the habit of... Okay, folks, just hold on. For folks who couldn't see, I moved about three feet away from the microphone. Did that help? 
What about this? I just leaned off camera. Again, probably about three feet away. Uh, let me know if that helped, Lance. Mm, I'm running out of water. Anyway, though. Lance uh, continues that uh, he says he would take the advice of the guy who listens to all the videos and try to get off mic. If my mic is set to cardioid, then you should... Yes, it is. It, I have a blue Yeti, and I have it set to cardioid, so basically the back of it doesn't pick anything up. Because otherwise I get really bad reverb. Or not really bad, but not great reverb. Uh, it should be pretty easy to get out of range. Uh, uh, all right. If, if you're still using a blue Yeti, uh, it's the one... Yep, 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 yes. I, I definitely have it set to cardioid. Um, right, and so I'm curious. I mean, did, did that help? I mean, it's easier to back away, but I know I'm still in the range of it. But, I mean, I guess my other option is really go underneath it. Then I was truly behind, but that would be crazy. I mean, I guess, you know what I could do? There is a mute button. And now I'm unmuted. And in theory, if I did that right, you probably heard sound drop out for a bit. I could do that, but I'm always afraid of touching the mic because I don't want to, you know, get all that, you know, mic scruffy sound. Anyway, though, I, I, I do apologize. All right, uh, but then Lance continues. I know you guys, although I should say, uh, Lance wrote a few different emails. So it's not like he wrote all this in one. This happened several times. You may have noticed all of these questions were in alphabetical order. Because this month I had the brilliant idea, hey, instead of sorting by date, how about I sort by name? And then when people write, you know, two or three or four emails, I can just put them all in one section. All right, anyway, though, so Lance continues. I know you guys are Survivor fans. Um... Just wanted to, oh, you know what? Hey, this one, that one should wait because I didn't pull that out. That one should go. The Survivor stuff will wait for next month when Jen comes back. We are watching the new season. Uh, I would love to hear what Jen thinks as well. All right, so we will continue, though. I'll, I'll just move that down to the other stuff for Jen. P.S. Lance was curious if I was doing any advertising on the podcast. Well, you may remember I talked about that earlier today. Haven't heard any of the dynamic insertion ads from Anchor on the show, but I was curious if you'd looked into signing with a podcast ad company. If your numbers are pretty high, uh, you could start getting advertisers pretty quick. Uh, this would be the kind of ads that are host-read and potentially companies sending you products so you can talk about. I would love to do that. I would totally love to do that. I have no idea where to start or what to do. Um, uh, me on these sound awesome. And if they're great, I would happily talk about if they're great. And if they're not great, I just wouldn't do it. And, uh, yeah, what, what else? I mean, uh, I don't know if I, it makes any sense. I mean, I, I'm, but what are decent numbers? What are decent numbers? Um, I know when I, when I was doing this originally, I was storing all my podcasts on archive.org and then uh, sending them through Google's feed burner. And at that point, Archive.org reported that my average episode over six months would get about 10,000 downloads. I don't know how many, which I think puts me in like the top 1% of all podcasts in the world. I'm on Anchor.fm now, and these days it reports that over like uh, the first few months I get about 3,000 downloads. And I think that still puts me in like the top 10% or the top 15% of all podcasts in the world. So I've got a very successful podcast, and I feel like I should. I have, as as I mentioned earlier in this very episode, turned on the dynamic ads. So somebody has already answered that you haven't heard. Although I only recently, it was only like within the last month. So you might have written this before. It was only within the last month that uh, Anchor said, Congratulations, you're applicable for dynamic ads. Would you like to turn it on? I said, Sure. And um, so definitely let me know next month, Lance. Um, Or, hey, uh, if you've got some suggestions for places I should go, based on my numbers, um, yeah, I I, I would be totally down for that. Because I got to eat. And more importantly, my mom has to eat. 
Okay, uh, thanks for reaching out. Okay, and then, oh, and that was it, folks. That was it for the personal stuff. Because then we go on to some game questions with Jen, and then we got a bunch of personal questions with Jen, and then some more personal questions with Jen, and then some more personal questions with Jen, and many, many more, and many, many more. I just keep on scrolling. There are so many of them. And then there's some cute dog pictures. With all of that, all of that, folks, we'll have to wait until next month because we are Dunsville. That was the podcast. And one final um, call to action. Send those questions to questions at rao.com and we'll be back in just about a month. And I promise Jen will be here. She will be exhausted, but we'll film this after she's crossed her deadline and said, I cannot send any more Christmas gifts out. They won't arrive to you in time. We'll film after that. We'll get an update of how she's doing. We'll answer all those other questions and whatever other questions you have. And thanks for watching and or listening, everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Above. Bye.